Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Let's do this. We have a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is the founder and CEO of Sumerian Records, as well as an award-winning screenwriter and director. His new project is called Paradise City that is currently streaming on Amazon, and his name is Ash Abelson. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our superfan shout-out is for Byron James. Say hi to Byron James, everybody. Hello, Byron. Hey, Byron, what's up? What's happening, Byron? Uh, and Byron, of course. He's a friend of ours. And he sent us an email. <laughs> and honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And you can do what Byron did. The subject line was, I finally did it with an exclamation point. Uh, an eight-year dream has finally come to reality. I moved to New York City. I got my apartment. And he sent us pictures of his apartment. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's in Brooklyn. Uh, he's on Third Avenue, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, Is that like secret New York code? No, because God forbid something happens to the kid. I ain't getting sued. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I would like to thank you for inspiring me and supporting my dream of moving to New York. First thing I'm going to do is frame that picture you gave me in San Francisco and hang it on my wall. This is going to be an adventure. Thank you, Byron. What picture did you give him, Adam? Uh, I had uh, The Birth of Spring by Botticelli. I travel with an original looking for a deserving man that might need to spruce up his new apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> you, take this, my son. Hey, you Goodness. Go. Well, anyway, Byron, congratulations. Yes, big move, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad that you did that. So that, that that's really good. And that fits in with Ash Abelson. I mean, he followed his dream, and what an interesting guy. And you guys are really going to like this interview. But before we get to that, I would like to begin today's proceedings by saying, help, the friggin' animals are now invading the house. <laughs> 
What? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you mean? I'm on the road. I'm in New York. Uh, I, I, I'm i doing sets at the cellar. I'm a happy man. I'm missing my wife. I call every night. I have to hear her voice. And then I get this. Adam, I just want you to know that one of the doves was injured and I'm caring for it. Now, you think the story would stop there, but it doesn't. It's in the tub. And I don't know how long it's going to be there. But where do you expect me to put an injured dove that would get eaten by prey yeah. at night if I didn't rescue it? You know, how crazy am I? Think You know what? Injured dove. Obviously, it goes in the bathroom in the tub. <laughs> That's the most room. What, what it kind, made the most sense. Yeah. What, what kind of moron am I? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not only is it in the tub, it's laying on the towels that I can't use because they're for company. But doves can <laughs> shit on them. <laughs> No, it, it, they're the <laughs> thickest towels we have. <laughs> they're the thickest towels we have. Yeah, I know. Thickest towels we have, which is good for anybody but Adam. Okay. Not only, she's in there with, those, with, the, with, with the good towels and my Air Jordans for some reason. Oh, that's the, it's perch in case it needs it. In case it needs it. Look, I know you're injured. I know you've been through a lot. If you have to, shit on the good towels or Adam's shoes. One or the other. <laughs> yeah. I what thought you'd like that. that. <laughs> Wait a minute. How did you make a perch out of sneakers? I'm just curious. How'd you do that? I saw it on a YouTube video. This man <laughs> rescued this dove, which ironically, Adam, mm. is literally the symbol of love, peace, and hope. And of inconvenience. <laughs> to you. <laughs> I think she's doing a beautiful thing, caring for the animals. I think she's scoring major points with the man upstairs. That's all I'm saying. But you know what? She's pissing off the man who lives next to her, okay? <laughs> That's what she's doing. Because you know what I can't do now? I can't go in and take a shower, and I can't play my podcast, and I can't listen to football in there because we have to keep the dub's heartbeat regulated. Liar. I said you could take a shower, <laughs> but don't blast your phone. Yeah, so I can't, I can't be comfortable and unwind in my own house. Oh, poor Adam. Because, because we have to regulate a dove's heartbeat. Like like I'm intruding on the dove's ICU suite. Listen. <laughs> it's like a triage. Yeah. It's I my fault. I can't go downstairs to the office. I can't, I, there's no shower in here, Phil. Where am I going to shower? She, the, the, the dove is in the master bathroom. He, ha he can go uh, upstairs. I think it's a lovely thing that you're doing. I agree with, with Phil. Um, and I wonder, Adam, is... Uh, is maybe the source of, of this grudge that you have now against the symbol of love and peace and hope, as, as Alex explained. Is that because maybe Alex is spending a little bit more time with the dove and a little bit more attention to the dove than with you, per se? You know what? I didn't think of it. That's another reason I hate this bird. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Just put more fuel on the fire. Yeah, you, you nice hear, going. Nice going. You want to hear something funny? What? I, I said, Adam, when you go into the bathroom, Make sure to, to say hello to Dovey. Yeah. Oh, that's another. Now I have instruction. <laughs> <laughs> and be nice. And be, so now I can't listen to my podcast. I can't listen to football. And then I have to go in there. Hello, Dovey. Like I'm Thurston Howell. Hello, Dovey. I'd like to give you an update on the football contest today, Dovey. Oh, Dovey. We got killed by a backdoor cover by Detroit again. Okay. okay. Thank God. Yeah, I'm just grateful that I moved out of the area, Adam, because you'd be at my place every day. I got birds. Open up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? They're in the house now. I'm afraid to go to sleep because they're going to peck my eyes out. I'm living in a Hitchcock movie. <laughs> Adam, you're literally poo-pooing and having resentment 
at a sign that God sent to Noah that there was land after 40 days of flooding. It could, he could have sent the letter. You know what? He could have just, he could have sent the letter. He could have had one of the chimps tap him on the shoulder. He's God. He'd have to send the bird. All right? God's, God did not send that bird in my bathroom to tell me everything's going to be fine. I'm pretty sure that's not the message I'm getting. But maybe a living creature deserves unconditional love. Yeah, not from me. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> maybe, and I'm just throwing this out there, Adam. Mm. Maybe if you got a, a pet of your own, like a new pet mm-hmm. that you could focus on and pour your love into and your attention into. Maybe that would sort of, you know, make things better. You know what? That's a good idea, Mark. That's It'll balance the stale. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a snake to eat the friggin' bird. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> no! No, that's not what I meant. Dear, oh, my God. Dear podcast listeners, Adam is just making a joke. Mm, half. Half joke, half solution. <laughs> I will tell you this. I, I, I'm talking about it so I don't build a resentment to the bird because one of the things I discussed in, in the interview with Ash was uh, about forgiveness. And I found this quote on forgiveness that I thought was relevant here. When you forgive something, you are not forgiving the perceived act against you. You are releasing the energy that's keeping you back. Ooh. Yeah. On paper, that sounds good. I can't do it. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be able to do it. And I think the bird is the cause of it. Okay. You guys listen to this, and I have to go pee outside because there's a (laughs) convalescing bird in my bathroom. The dove symbolism teaches you that your thoughts reflect what you have attracted into your life. Therefore, you should purify your thoughts. Achieving healing and peace with others starts with achieving peace with yourself. I'm afraid to go to sleep because they're going to peck my eyes out. I'm living in a Hitchcock movie. (laughs) You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I am in such a mood today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I am having so much fun out on the road, and I got some more stand updates for you. October 1st through October 3rd, I will be in Oklahoma City at the Bricktown Comedy Club. October 6th, I'll be at the Listening Room in Grand Rapids, Michigan. October 7th, I will be at the Park Theater in Holland, Michigan. October 8th, I'll be at Bill's Lounge in Grand Rapids, Michigan. October 9th, I will be at the Back Alley Comedy Club in Muskegon, Michigan. 
Then I'm heading to Cleveland October 14th through the 16th. I will be at one of my favorite clubs, Hilarities in Cleveland. October 28th through October 30th, I will be in Uncasville, Connecticut at the Comic Roadhouse and Mohegan Sun Casino. And December 17th and 18th, I will be at Levity Live in West Nyack, New York. If you guys can make any of these dates, please come up after the show and let me thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and the podcast. All right, go on, get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is the type of person we love to talk to on this friggin' show. He is the self-made founder and CEO of Sumerian Records, home to the Smashing Pumpkins, Black Veil Brides, Poppy, and many others. He's also an award-winning screenwriter and film director. His last movie, American Satan, was picked up by Miramax for worldwide distribution and aired on Showtime. He has created, written, and directed the Amazon hit Paradise City, starring Bella Thorne, Drea DiMatteo, and Andy Biersack. He started his own business with a laptop that was put on display in the Grammy Museum. His father's an Academy Award-winning director that he didn't meet till he was 34 years old. I have much respect for the way he's defied the odds and much admiration for the message he's putting out into the world that dreams are yours to make. Can I get an amen? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is Ash Alvidson. How are you, my friend? Good, man. How are you? I am doing well. Yeah, thanks for being on. I really appreciate you taking the time. And yeah, like I said, uh, you're the kind of guy we like to talk to on this friggin' show. You just did what you wanted to do. Uh, and it's very impressive, the accomplishments you make. And uh, when I was reading it on paper, I was thinking to myself, I haven't done shit with my life. Ash is really starting uh, to annoy me. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's a self-made, uh, self-inflicted uh, uh, stigma slash burden slash trophy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's awesome to be able to call your own shots and do stuff. It's also, of course, you know, very very stressful and daunting but i'm grateful that you know specifically with paradise city that it's it's really found an audience and with my record label which was also a diy punk rock you mm-hmm. know approach to just do it that's really found an audience too so you know it's um it's nice to know people give a shit about what you're doing i guess yeah so i'm, I'm very grateful and humbled by it yeah, and it's uh, it's very impressive, and I want to start at the very, very beginning, if I may. You were in D.C., raised by a single mom, yeah? Yeah, my mom and then my grandmother. I was in a – I lived in here in Los Angeles when I was about four, and then my mom couldn't really afford it anymore, so we moved to Bethesda, Maryland to live with my grandmother and my uncle. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment in Bethesda I was pretty much the only kid in my elementary school that lived in an apartment and it was my grandmother and my aunt in one bedroom my mom and my brother and myself in the other bedroom and then my uncle on the couch <laughs> and uh and so we were all there lining up in the morning waiting for the bathroom yeah. um but it was you know it was, it was a great experience and my grandmother was a very very big reason that I I came out all right. She gave me a lot of guidance and light, and I uh, am eternally grateful to have had her in my life because I don't think I would have become um, the man that I am and the success that I have had she not been integral in raising me. 
That's that's real really cool to hear. May I ask what uh, uh, what what have you did you take from your grandma that you can recall right now and uh, that was pretty uh, influential, um, maybe in the dark hours that kept you going. You know, she I mean, she gave me like very well, she, she escaped Stalin. So she she had a very she was Ukrainian and uh, she escaped really only because her and her friend, she spoke German. So her and her friend snuck under a fence during um, uh, World War Two and started speaking German going the other way and by the time they realized they were two ukrainian girls they had gotten far enough away that they they escaped but she she had a very um deep appreciation for the united states because she came you know she escaped communism with stalin and escaped you know the nazis and everything so she she was first off kind of just taught me like how lucky we are um which was important because you know as a kid, it's easy to be like, why do I have to live in a small apartment with all these other people? Like all my friends have like backyards and places to ride their bikes and all this stuff. And she, so just from the jump, I was much more appreciative of having a life in this country. And then um, beyond that, she, you know, she gave me very simple wisdom of like, Hey, find something you really like to do and become really good at it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, that's the trick. Like if you can figure out what you like to do, and you spend a lot of time on it and there's a way to, to actually end up doing that um as your career like she's like you know get get started now and so she she gave me a lot of kind of just positive reinforcement on that with um you know first off music when i, I went to, i ended up going to a military boarding school co-ed uh starting in the seventh grade and it was like my music collection that actually got me a lot of credibility with the older kids that at first were kind of like bullying me because I was the new sure. you know, young kid. And then they saw my record collection and all wanted to come to my dorm room and borrow CDs and stuff. And that was kind of, I think, the first sign of like I had the gift of like what they call ears mm-hmm. in the record business. Like if you can tell, you know, what's good or what's going to become popular and stuff. So. Uh, but yeah, anyway, but my grandmother was, was, she was just fantastic. She just instilled a lot of those, you know, values and, and in me and, and, you know, just gave me positive encouragement, but also realistic encouragement too, of like how to, um, you know, just make, make use of your time and be grateful that you have the time, you know? Yeah. And probably, and from what I heard from that is, and set a standard of gratitude. I'll be honest with you, Ash. I thought you were going to say something like, you know, don't go, don't go swimming right after you eat. You're like, no, you started out with, she escaped Stalin right there. You're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to put it in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So you started with a base of gratitude. I mean, you guys are all packed into this house and your grandma's like, we're lucky to have this. So I, even in, in my childhood, Ash, I, I didn't know we didn't have. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and you were and you were told to um, just do what you like to do, and the money will follow. And that's that's to have that instilled as a young kid is is uh, is is rare uh, because most people, not most people, but 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 a lot of guys come like my dad. You know, my mom and dad worry that you're going to be able to you know make a living. You know, so you get you get pushed, but you also get pulled. You know, my dad wanted me to be a plumber. He's like, get into the union. You get benefits. It's perfect. What are you doing? <laughs> that's great. You know, guy, that's yeah. what you want to do. 
Well, th- th- that's why, and that's why I threw the word re- realistic in there too, because she, she, it wasn't like delusions of grandeur, like, oh, don't worry, you know, follow your dreams and it'll all work out. She's like, you have to have the work ethic. Yes. Whether you can apply that hard work ethic to what you love, but that doesn't mean you just disregard everything else. You know, it's the whole thing of like getting good grades in as many classes as you want. I was a, you know, a liberal arts. So I was in advanced English and advanced history. And I, I struggled with things like physics and chemistry. Mm. Those were very hard for me, but with English and history, I was, you know, straight A's, but she, you know, explained like, you have to be able to do everything. Don't just disregard, mm. uh, other things that aren't immediately what you want to do because sometimes that's what you may have to do to get from point a to point b so like all the odd jobs i worked until i could make a living in the entertainment business um whether it was from delivering pizzas to you know waiting tables to all these other things like you still had to be good at those too um which i always like i let that's you know to be honest like i the waiting at the tables thing a lot of people are like oh i could never do that i could never be a waiter i'm like dude i fucking loved it (laughs) <laughs> you get immediate you get to meet people you get immediate uh you feel the immediate lift of like hard work you know if you do a really good job chances are you're going to get more than 15 percent tip like right. they're going to tip you um and it's fast paced and i don't know I, I actually really liked it uh i worked for evander holyfield's southern bar and grill uh in atlanta i, I first started off at a, at a mexican restaurant called Jalisco, being a busboy in virginia and then chiro's pizza and Strasburg, Virginia, where I could cook the Philly cheesesteaks, which is my favorite guilty pleasure. Uh-huh. And I could deliver and I could wash dishes, but they would never let me or any of the other uh, employees actually make the pies. Only Chiro and his wife were allowed to toss the dough and actually make the real uh, uh, pizzas. But the Evander thing was really fun because when you hear Evander Holyfield Southern Bar and Grill. Yeah. Most people assume it's kind of going to be soul food and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was in Atlanta, right? So it's in the South. But that wasn't what it is at all. And every day, some people would come in thinking that's what it was going to be. And then they're like, wait a second. This is like a five-star fine dining restaurant with this incredible chef from Zimbabwe who was an awesome guy to work for. Um, so every day, you would be like, wait, this is Evander Holyfield's restaurant. But I learned uh, the whole etiquette of like fine dining, which I'd never been to a fine dining restaurant in my entire life up until being 17, 18, working at his, at his restaurant. Um, but yeah, it was a fun experience. Uh, yeah. It's, you seem to like, even in doing my research on you and, and reading about you and watch some interviews, you seem to have a positive attitude in every experience you had. Uh, even like starting, you started this business with your mom. You started a, like a mail order business with your mom. So we, yeah, at the time we, I had to just, you know, we were both living in the same little apartment out here trying to make it. And I started the label, but I was doing my own mail order. So mm-hmm. like the first few albums, we had to ship the CDs and the t-shirts and the posters to fans that were buying them online from us. And she would sit there and pack the envelopes because it was just me. And yeah. I, I was still being a booking agent at the time. So my booking agency was actually how I paid my bills because I didn't really make money yet on the label until like, you know, multiple years into it. It took about... So when I say make money, we generated revenue, but I, but to actually like make a profit, you know, we didn't net anything for the first few years as we were putting money back into it, back into it. But, uh, booking tours was my day job. So, you know, I would get a percentage of every show my artist played. So that's what I was doing. So I, there was only so many hours in the day to actually stuff the envelopes myself. So yeah, my mom took that in and put all, you know, the hoodies and the shirts and the CDs and envelopes and, 
we're off to the races. And then as I launched the label, I started getting, uh, I merged my booking agency with a bigger one called TKO. And that's when I started getting some bigger clients that uh, came through, you know, the agency and whatnot. But um, yeah, a lot, a lot of just crazy metal bands and rock bands and stuff. And um, yeah, it's been a long journey. Yeah, okay. So okay, so your mom's stuffing envelopes, you're working your ass off. Grandma escaped Stalin, still love that. You're all in this little apartment. And when do you decide to start writing and directing and when do you start when do you start doing that? So I my, my grandmother passed uh a week after I graduated high school. So mm. that was in ninety nine. Two thousand, I go to Georgia Tech, drop out of that because I was doing great, but um, after the first year, it was either like take a bunch of money in, in loans for out-of-state tuition or just try and pursue music. So I worked different um, like temp jobs while booking my own band and learning the touring business and the promoting business. And then I did that for a few years and my band got signed and we did a, a, a number of tours in the U.S. and Europe. And then in 2000, end of 2005, I moved out here full time and I was living off Coinsettia and Sunset and then we moved to Venice and then it was in Venice in 06 when I when I started the label the label went for about uh seven years and then I started uh learning screenwriting Mm -hmm. so I read a number of different books around 2013 um I started just really diving into the craft and then uh 2015 made my first movie which was just me and my friends kind of literally figuring out how it all works uh in a fun like low budget dating comedy and then my first kind of like you know okay i kind of know what i'm doing now film was american state which was one that came out through miramax and, and showtime and uh and i did that because i originally i always wanted to do like a music like a rock music drama TV series that shows the business and has like fun little supernatural elements to it. But once vinyl and roadies both came out around the same time, I just assumed like, Oh, well, yeah, I'm just going to watch as a fan, you know, the lanes already taken with two of the best networks and the best writers and producers and creators in the business. So I just sat back as a fan and made American Satan as a feature film. And then when vinyl and roadies both stopped after the first seasons, I was like, well, I should, you know, make a run at this again, but I don't see me ever being able to get this greenlit because I don't have any real big credits and I'm a rookie in the game. And, you know, the biggest monsters in town just didn't have vinyl and roadies continue. So how the heck am I going to, you know, who's going to, you know, what studio is going to be like, oh yeah, let the little indie record label guy try it. So that's why I just did Paradise City completely independently, um, which is a very big undertaking. And now, you know, we found uh, an audience and it's, it's growing every week. You know, we get more and more new viewers. The completion rate's been really good of like how many people watched episode one and went all the way to episode eight. So, but yeah, it's been a wild ride, man. Like I just, I wanted to, um, the big thing about waiting, I guess, after like seven years of doing the label is that I always had like a complex of like, Oh, I have my dad's last name. I know who he is, but he's not in my life. I never wanted it to seem like I was, um, like I was trying to cash in on my last name or bloodline or whatever, you know, I, 
And I already dealt with like a stigma of false nepotism where people thought I was doing well in the entertainment business, even the music business, which just gets tapped into in the Cameron Boyce character in Paradise City because of who my dad was. You might have never met him. So that always rubbed me the wrong way. So I made my first movie before ever meeting him. And then in between my first and my second, we, we finally connected and met, became, you know, the best of friends. And, and, uh, and it was honestly like an amazing, happy Hollywood ending. Yeah. In regards to us being united and becoming very close and him giving me a lot of just wisdom and filmmaking and, um, you know, a lot of the things that made his directing style and his taste, uh, you know, be so successful. And yeah, I mean, I, I realized I was like some crazy hybrid of my mom and my dad. Once I met him, I was like, God, this makes total sense. Yep. Uh, and, and for I, those of you who don't know, uh, your dad uh, is an Oscar winner. It's uh, John Alveson who did... Rocky, the Karate Kid, Lean on Me, um, and you didn't meet him till you were thirty-four. Yeah. What? what uh, but you knew who he was. I, I want to go back to that story. What did uh, you're in the apartment? You with your mom? What? How was it explained to you uh, that Dad wasn't here? You know, that's a great question, and I don't really remember. Like, I don't remember exactly. I don't remember exactly how it was explained to be honest i remember i you know i knew he was a famous director rocky and the karate kid are like two of the biggest mm -hmm. you know movies at the time still i mean it's been a while for rocky but you know, i grew up uh, as a kid there 80s and the 90s so karate kid was like everywhere um the trilogy was still going on throughout you know uh elementary school middle school and stuff and uh I don't really remember how it was explained, but I of course knew who it was. I had his last name. My mom went on Larry King and had a conversation about it, which that's never been digitized, but I think I might throw that up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Just let people watch it. Cause it's a, it's a pretty fascinating um, episode talking about, uh, you know, when should fathers be um, responsible for kids that they don't want to have. Um, Cause he didn't want, you know, he wanted to have an abortion and, uh, I wasn't part of the, the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but I don't ever really remember how it was phrased to me, honestly, I just kind of grew up knowing he wasn't around and he wasn't interested in knowing me. And, uh, you know, I have to say, like, I think this is something that doesn't get talked about enough. I don't think, uh, in society and especially in America. Um, but you know, like kids from single family or sorry like single parent households mm -hmm. like especially males without their dad specifically like you start really looking at the world different at a very young age but it's before puberty like usually around the ages 9 10 11 especially like 10 11 12 you know you really start to start to be able to process like wait i don't have a dad and usually the dad's one of three things either the dad doesn't want to know the kid the dad's in jail or the dad's dead mm -hmm. um and like i remember trying to understand why i didn't have a dad like my friends had dads so you start seeing dads everywhere there's dads at, at the soccer games there's dads at your friend's houses there's dad school at the mall and then you're like why don't i have a dad and then you start like going through the motions like you blame God, you blame lack of God, you blame yourself, you blame your mom, you blame 
the world and you start and then you immediately start looking for male role models mm -hmm. in other places and that's where the well can start to be poisoned because for me i started looking up to the older kids at my school and i was hang i was like 11 and i was hanging out with like the 14 and 15 year olds and started getting into all sorts of trouble and then that's why i got sent to military school and had that not happened i don't know if i would have turned out anywhere near how i did but luckily i was i, I went to a junior rotc co-ed air force school and while i wasn't really good with the military stuff i didn't really like that element of it but i understood now looking back why it was important but i really had great teachers there and the academic side of it was very powerful and beneficial and it had a lot of great male and female teachers um and i think that was a big reason i ended up kind of persevering through the having daddy issues and you know the feelings of rejection and sure. all that stuff but that's a big reason like the amount of 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 kids that end up turning to a life of violence or crime or poverty or drug addiction it's so much higher when there's no dad sure that's just facts it's not political it's nothing it's just the fucking statistics and um that's something i'm actually like really passionate about trying to get involved in like the big brother programs and like you know kids that don't have dads that's like out of everything i feel like i could really add benefit to like society and like helping like the youth that's probably something i'm going to spend a lot of the next like 10 20 years of my life focusing on as like a nonprofit or charity it's just kids that are growing up with one parent and of course you know what people that don't have dads i obviously very can relate to and i've lived that so that's something i hopefully can really give back to society as now that i'm in a position to have more free time and stuff yeah you seem really not only self-aware but uh well adjusted and gone through some things and uh i really wanted to ask you about that because when you didn't meet your father till you were 34 uh and you said it was a happy ending that's a lot of emotional energy to bring to that friggin' meeting ash yeah like the like the very first one was well you know there, there's another element in there too that my therapist says was the moment of annihilation for me mm -hmm. as a child. The first time I saw him, I was only about 11 and uh, it was in the outside of the courtroom in like the New York family Supreme court or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. And like, it was my first time seeing my dad in the flesh. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, I, I'm going to sit down two seats down from him. He was reading a newspaper and I was expecting him to look over me at some point and like acknowledge my existence notice my presence some type of interaction and he never looks over from looking at the newspaper they call him in and then i didn't see him again for you know 20 plus years and uh and that was kind of a defining moment of whether and and the, the court the court was over like should he have to pay for my school or not right it was like a child support thing because it was it was a you know private military school and i remember having to testify why i think I deserve to go there and the whole thing. You're 11. It. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. I mean, it would honestly would make for a good movie. I've had like producers reach out to me and be like, we got to tell your story. It's, you know, an inspirational underdog tale of, you know, kids without dads with a happy ending. And I, I would like to do it at some point. But, but the first time I celebrated a birthday um, with my dad, he was like, hey, is there anything, you know, like, you'd want to talk about because we had become friends at that point for six months because i didn't want to like 
started hitting him with all the heavy stuff as soon as I got to know him, you know, I'm like, right. I'm just grateful that he's actually in my life now. So let's just, you know, warm up and, and hang out and spend quality time together. But on that birthday, I did, he's, you know, I was like, I do have a couple of questions. And one, you know, the first one I asked was like, do you remember that day? Mm. And he goes, yeah, of course. And it's like, you remember, like you didn't look at me or talk to me. He goes, yeah. And he was like, I was, he's like, you have every right to, you know, flip this table on me. We we're at Dantana's and uh, he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm ashamed. I would, there's no excuse for me being so selfish and cruel and just, you know, a really heartfelt apology. And uh, that was very healing. Like I try and tell people like, don't, don't carry grudges to your grave or their grave, you know, like really it's, I think it's really important to try and heal that stuff before you can never speak to someone again. Like I'm very, very grateful that I was able to work through all that stuff with him and not ever have that. Cause I would be carrying that emotional, you know, weight around for the rest of my life. So luckily that happened. Um, but anyway, I don't really know. I can't remember what we started talking about, but yeah, that was a, that was a heavy moment that, that, you know, man, just to have to make that space for someone else that did that to you, for lack of a better word, is commendable. I mean, I'm Italian, Ash. We don't have grudges. We have vendettas. We have shit that goes on <laughs> through generations. You know, it's got you. You the one of the phrases in my house is "You're never going to be dead enough." This is the shit I grew up with. That's great. Yeah, but they, just that is the most one of the most commendable things. Your accomplishments are your accomplishments. The work on yourself is what really impressed me, because that's hard to do. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it comes out in your art. It comes out in what you produce. There was a line in Paradise City um, uh, that. Um, was said the only reason I'm selling big shows is because who's my dad is that that was the actual line lifted from that and then the mother goes it, it's hard enough being a bastard kid don't call yourself a bastard I went I know how and why he wrote that yeah and that's got you got stones to put that out there you really do yeah and putting that scene together was it a conscious thought did it just flow into the story was it a higher thing coming out of you and did you feel any sense of relief after it was out? I did. You know, it was, um, it came very natural to the story. And, um, you know, Perry Reeves and, and Cameron, that was like the first or second day of filming. It might have been the very first day. And that's a, that doesn't happen until like episode seven. You know, we block shot it like an indie film because of budget reasons. So mm -hmm. it wasn't shot, you know, in chronological order. So they, they kicked it into, you know, fucking super high gear right from the jump and they did such a great job at that scene but it was cathartic because actually i brought my mom on set for those scenes so we watched them together i think there's a couple like set like behind the scene photos of us watching the monitors together but yeah it was super fucking emotional man it was like life full circle like here i am remembering that as a kid as a teenager and now i'm like i met my dad but he's passed and I'm standing on set with my mom making this TV series inspired by, you know, certain scenes inspired by life with her next to me. It was fucking wild, man. 
It really mm. was. But it, it was very cathartic seeing it come out. And I'm, I'm very proud of, you know, that scene. And I thought the actors did a wonderful job. And I know, you know, it's been a, it's pulled on the heartstrings. A lot of, a lot of the fans have commented specifically on the end of that episode and stuff. So, yeah. And it's really well done. I mean, I'm a big fan of, uh, of rock and roll. And I think you really hit all the notes of the things I wanted. You had the, the, the occult connection, the Jimmy Page-ish kind of a occultic connection with oh yeah yeah i'm in i'm into all that stuff so you hit the mystery the mystical part of it and the relationships and and if you are a fan of rock and roll it does hit all the notes and you have a thing that you you meet adversity in a very calm way from just from doing research on you man i don't know you that well i don't know you at all to be honest with you but you when I'm specifically referring to the uh, when the show got temporarily pulled off Amazon because of the uh, because of the doors manager, um, because you guys didn't have copyright because you were independent. You didn't know enough to go through legal and get copyrights for uh, spoken lyrics from L.A. Woman and the doors manager. I don't know, contacted you or contacted Amazon and you guys had to deal with it again, being an independent entity. Was it Sugarman who contacted you or someone in the publishing arm of it? It was, uh, it was Jeff Jampool who manages the estate. And I had actually met him before. He didn't know it was my show. He got told, I mean, it's the whole thing's again, you know, silver lining kind of bittersweet. Like he, he got told by a friend mm -hmm. watched it. Like the first day it came out, he goes, dude, you got to see the show they made. And so he watched it the, like the very next day. It came out on a Thursday. He watched it on a Friday. Mm -hmm. And he binged the whole thing in like a day or two. Right. And he thought it was an Amazon original. He, he thought it was like a big Amazon Studios production. So when he noticed there were words borrowed from lyrics and, and a fun line of dialogue, which in my mind, I was like, the lyric, you know, the, the dialogue was inspired by it. It's not like we're talking specifically about the doors or it's like some important beat that moves the story for it it was just me going like i love the doors like let's mm -hmm. put a little easter egg in there for fans but he saw it, he goes oh wait that's you know that, that could be taken from a doors song and let's send amazon like a cease and desist because mm -hmm. he thought you know, it was amazon proper and there was going to be like a big check on the other end of it um so i was flattered that he found out about it he from watching the show thought it was an amazon original but then when he found out it was me he was like oh wait a second like, you know, we had met, we didn't really know each other. We had met a couple times through mutual friends years prior. Um, but yeah, so that went down. And again, the other silver lining in that, while I was super stressful trying to get it back up in that week that it went down, it shot to the number one position on like iTunes and Google play and mm -hmm. all like the actual VOD charts because they didn't take it down. Only Amazon prime did. So, you know, it was cool to see all the fans going crazy to buy it because they thought, support and whatnot so that was cool yeah and i and i remember the line it was it was i i, I thought it was weird because it was it was a spoken word it was in a text i think and it was city of light i thought it was city of light or city of night. i said and in my head i took your side right away because i'm like city of night was a novel okay that's that's where morrison got it from another lost angel city of night and then when i read it, it goes city of light i go ah eh, shit he did write that because i'm yeah so there was you know it was played there was a few different lines like she says Capricorn says to Gretchen, like, when she walks away after she's all, she goes, you know, never saw a woman so alone, mm -hmm. you know, which was to how she was feeling. And then, yeah, she, she said, uh, you're like a lucky little lady trapped in the city of light. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, look, I really appreciate. Learned. Yeah. 
lesson learned. I really appreciated that, that you put that, you go that deep to put those Easter eggs in there because it just makes, it makes the story better because I'm, I'm a big music fan uh, and, I'm a, and I'm a big Ash fan. I really admire the way you handle yourself. I admire what you're putting out into the world. And I said this quote in your intro and you said this after, uh, after that little Doors incident um, uh, was reconciled. You said that, that your dreams are yours to make. And here's to all the underdogs and long live rock and roll. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you're out there, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. You have a great week. And I look forward to this coming out. And I'll do what I can to get people to check it out. And I really appreciate you having me, man, and all that you do. You got it, my friend. Best to you and the family. Stay safe, okay? Thank you, brother. Have a great one. The ADD interview was brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. They have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. It's all grown from hemp right here in the USA. It's all 100% natural. It's also 100% kosher. Shalom. Why should you be in pain? And you get 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. 20% off anything they have at CruiseIntoWellness.com. Go. Feel better. Can you believe that guy has a heart that big and awareness to be able to do that uh, with his dad? I, God bless him. I don't think it's I can It's amazing. Do it. Just amazing. I, 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 he, that guy is a serious inspiration to me right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and let's just recap. He has the ability to forgive his father for abandoning him. You have a resentment over a bird. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Phil? We all have our journey, okay? <laughs> You know, Ash is like little dove bird. His family nurtured and cared till he could take care of himself. Yeah, okay, but I don't think that bird's going to open up a record label, all right? I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> well, you don't know. Actually, Adam, mm. I beg to differ because if Beatles can start a label, I think birds can too. Mm. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Apple Records versus Bathtub Records. That's what he's going to name it after. Dubby Records. Yeah. Dubby Records. We have to change the Prince song. This is what it sounds like when Adam cries. Damn. Oh my gosh, that's so corny, but so Drew. <laughs> oh, I'm clapping. Okay, good. Well, I tell you, I mean, just his attitude about he has every reason to be pissed off in life, and he's not. You know? Yeah, he has yeah. The ability to forgive. Yeah, well, it's not even that. It was also when he was a when he was a server. He found the joy in, in the doing of life rather than the destination of life. He's so positive about everything. And I love what he talked about being a server. I, I was a waiter. I think we talked about this on the show. Mm. I was a waiter for a long time. And it's one of the most valuable things I've ever done. I loved how he talked about that. You learn how to deal with people. You learn how to deal with people who are being cool to you, people that are being rude to you. And you get this immediate sort of like reward for doing a good job. To me, it's one of the most valuable jobs that, that you can have. And I think everybody should probably do that at some point in their life. Yeah, I, you know, I totally related to his enthusiasm of waiting. I waited tables, too. I loved it. I loved waiting tables. I just did. I got into it. I was enthusiastic. You know, I was a pizza man. He worked at a pizza place. Mm -hmm. so I related to that, too. But, yeah, you're right. Dealing with customers and serving them. And there's just something really um, uh, rewarding in it. I don't know yeah. what, you know, how else to put it. This is very rewarding, you know. You guys know my personality. But mm -hmm. to me, waiting tables, which I did, 
It's all about the tips. Sorry about that, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Mama's got to make rent. There you go. Good girl. Big <laughs> and maybe buy some shoes. Yeah. Oh, you're so strong. <laughs> you need more protein. I'm bringing you another steak. Let's, let's go through. Come on. We have a rush. Mm. Don't put me in the weeds. <laughs> now, I forget. I forget, Adam. Did you wait tables at the bank restaurant that you worked at, which is still the weirdest story I've ever heard? Yeah. He doesn't have patience to wait on tables. Sorry. No. You know what I learned when I was a server? I learned that I can't do this. <laughs> no I kidding. I, I don't like these people. I don't want to be near these people. Go eat somewhere else. You got a kitchen in your home? Friggin' use it and stop inconveniencing me. Uh, Adam would be going, this is what you want to order. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or is it this? Does he go to the table and go, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. now? Make yeah. up your mind. It's lasagna. It's meat and cheese and noodles. It never changes. <laughs> That's what it is. That, yeah. you're, you're asking questions about lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. You're going to eat again. This ain't your last meal. <laughs> Just point to a picture on the menu and I'll bring you that. <laughs> you know when I yeah. learned to be where actually to bust tables? It's not when I had to do it. I only did it once. I learned it on King of Queens when I had to play a waiter in rehearsal. I'm like, I got to make this look real. So you couldn't do it in real life. Right, no. But you could, you could learn. You paid attention when you had to do it as a pretend job. Yeah, I had, when it was part of my art, then I could learn it. <laughs> if I had to do it as part of my, my job and my art as something I choose to do, I have to learn it. You got to make it look real on camera, baby. And you didn't want to drop <laughs> any of the food on Anyone. Yeah. Any plus of the stars. I, and plus, I had to deliver a plate of food to Lou Ferrigno. You don't want to piss him off. No. <laughs> hey, that's a little bit of trivia. What? You and I are in the same scene. Yeah, we're in the same scene. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually recorded that the other day thinking, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Alex was sitting at the table. And, and Lou Ferrigno was there, and I had to go put a plate down, and I deliver a line, and I put a plate to Alex down, I deliver a line, and I, I make an exit. And I'm like, I don't want to drop it on my wife or the Hulk. So. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and you know what my father always told me? My father always told me, he goes, you want to see what kind of personality a person has? See how they treat a server. Hmm. Also, yeah. see how they treat see how they treat a dove. That's what I go with. That's what you go with? <laughs> yeah. You might have something there, Phil. You now, might have something there. <laughs> and not only does he have like a, a good attitude toward the actual just doing of life and being present in the doing of life, but the way he handles obstacles too, I thought was great. I mean, look, my my way of handling things that that go wrong is if it doesn't fit, you get a bigger hammer and just hit it harder. <laughs> right. You know, he was just right, going through things like, okay, this is there's a great book by uh, I think it's Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle Is the Way which is about stoic philosophy, because I really know how to party on this show. We're going to bring up, I'm going to bring up Marcus Aurelius. That's going to be good. That's, That's going to get the downloads pumping right there. My God, he's quoting Seneca. Honey, you have to hear this. Well, I think he got a lot of that from his grandmother and his mother. Yeah. And, and then I was thinking to myself, how great is it when your relatives work for free? Yeah. <laughs> to help you out, right? His mother helped him with the mail order business. And and by the way, what lesson did you get from your grandmother? She escaped Stalin. Stop right there. You win. Oh, yeah, yeah. But how great is it to have someone like that in your life with that life experience that mm -hmm. can really just discern through all the BS and be like, this is what's really important. And to give him that lesson, and she's a valuable voice that he listens to and clearly took it to heart. I mean, 
we should all be so lucky to have someone like his grandmother in our lives. Yeah. My grandmother put a curse on the mailman because he brought bills to the house. <laughs> hey, yeah. you know, did it help? Nah. Mailman <laughs> brought him back every month. Mailman would come back. <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell her it ain't working. Every day she was out there every month. Malakio! It's not working, Grandma. Yeah. Malakio. I like when you brought up we didn't know what we didn't have. Yeah, growing up, yeah, yeah, we didn't know we didn't have. Yeah. I thought to myself, yeah, I, I kind of grew up that way too uh -huh. until I went to high school. Then you realize. And then it's like, oh, she has these new shoes. Yeah. Oh, they have this. And so I became a good, and in fact, I wish I would have phrased the term. Mm -hmm. I was a good DIYer. Right. Because I saw stuff and I would make it, like, usually out of my mom's closet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you have, I don't know if it's being a girl um, so much, but there was a lot of competition of, like, what you wore, how mm -hmm. you wore it, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm sure it's more, it's more... I think you got to deal with it more as a female, but you know, guys had it too. You just, at, at that age, you just want to fit in. Yeah. And, and Ash even said at that age, you know, he was, he went to military school cause he was getting in with the wrong crowd. He wanted to fit in with the older kids. You know, it's a common story. And, and he had a, his father had to appear in court to pay for the military school. He had to go to court to say, why do you want to be a military school? And yeah. his father ignored him. Yeah. At 11 years old. And yeah. he overcame. I'm going back to this story because it was amazing to me. He overcame that and actually had a relationship. I, I mentioned in the interview, I don't carry a grudge. Italians have vendettas. It goes against. <laughs> it's yeah, generations. No, Look right. at the Godfather. They were going to kill the kid because he was going to grow up. And even if he didn't kill the guy, his kids were going to kill the guy. Yeah. But we've, okay, we all have hold, held grudges. I mean, I know I've held anger in my heart towards people in my life. Mm -hmm. And, and. What was it you? What was the phrase you said at the beginning of this? It's we're sort of releasing the weight of that anger. Yeah, forgiveness. I hold it. I got it right here. When you forgive something, you are not forgiving the perceived act against you. You are releasing the energy that's keeping you back. Yeah, when I've when I've let things go, the few grudges that I've like finally sort of gotten over, like there is a weight that's lifted off of you, and it's not mm -hmm. about forgiveness. It's just letting that go. You mm -hmm. know. So it was a powerful lesson. And when he asked his dad. Mm -hmm. Is it, do you remember that moment when I was 11? It's like, yeah, I was a terrible guy. I'm so sorry. I mean, to, even to bring that up is just tough. Mm -hmm. That's what I loved. You what? know, okay, we're all on our journeys. Maybe mm -hmm. some don't get it till later. Maybe, you know, there's all these regrets that you you can have. and But to, to be able to work through it like he did. But then his father said, you know what? I was a, I was a jerk. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there for you. And look how great you are. And thank God Ash is here. Yeah. You know, he, he yeah. fought, he fought to be on the planet. He fought to make it. And I mean, I'm a big Ash fan. Honey, you don't have a big Ash. I said I'm a big <laughs> Ash fan, oh, Adam. Okay. I found it really interesting that uh, when Ash talked about when you grow up in a single household with a single mom and you look for male role models and then, you know, and then you look at his father's situation with his dad. And isn't it interesting that the father directed a film, one in Rocky, about an underdog, who mm -hmm. Ash was an underdog, right? That's one. Two, he directed Karate Kid, and there's a kid who doesn't have a father and looks up to a male role model in Mr. Miyagi. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. You yeah. know what? And a lot of movies that I've watched have had great influence on me. Interesting that subliminally, maybe, mm -hmm. he was trying to mm -hmm. work it out himself. Yeah. And yeah when it, it seemed like he was trying to work it out through those films, and maybe that was his realization where, wow, I got to get my shit together and have a relationship with my kid. Mm -hmm. Even what, what struck me was uh, when, when Ash asked him that 
that question when I was 11, do you remember not even looking at me? He said, yeah. You know, my reaction would have been, you son of a bitch, now I'm going to kill you. Now! (laughs) (laughs) Man, Adam. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, the the message I got from Ash was, um, I was really moved when he said, just do what you want to do, you know? Well, his grandmother said that. I think that really helped push him through a lot of things. Find out what you really like to do and Mm -hmm. be good at it. Be great at it. Be good at it and be grateful, too. You know, like, listen, oh, I I, I don't know if my record company's going to make it. I escaped Stalin, okay? (laughs) Can you imagine? You can live with a bird in your tub. I escaped Stalin. (laughs) I want to thank Ash Abelson for being my guest. Uh, His show is streaming on Amazon right now, and it's called Paradise City. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Uh, the show's growing, and I want to thank you guys for helping us out. If you get a chance to leave us a review, that helps us with our friend, Mr. Algorithm. And if you like the show, tell somebody you love. And if you don't like the show, tell somebody you don't like. That's a good way to piss them off. Thank you guys for being here, and please remember, life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go and pee. Hello, Davy. I'd like to give you an update on the football contest today, Davy. Oh, Davy! You're behaving like Thurston Howell, the turd. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well... Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.